0: Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary, Fran, and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. And before we jump into the really cool stuff that we're going to bring you today, we have a super important message for you.
0: Did you hear that Brilliantly Resilient? The book is out in the world and it landed on the top 100 best sellers list. That's where it debuted. We're so excited. Go get it at amazon.com. Search Brilliantly Resilient and you'll see it in Kindle and paperback. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo, and we have a super fun guest for you all today. Here's the thing. I'm gonna address two different crowds in the listener group of Brilliantly Resilient. For all the smarty pants friends that like to have a street cred behind our guest, I'm gonna tell you right now that uh, Dr. Marissa holds a doctorate in literature from Drew University and has a master's in communication and is a best-selling author. Okay, cool stuff, right? But here's for the super fun crowd that that loves all the crazy fun facts like I do. Not only has she been featured on Forbes, you guys, MTV, MTV, Dr. Marissa has been on MTV and here's the greatest... I think this is the greatest fun fact of any guest we've had so far. Broke a Guinness World Record for creating the world's largest chain of bracelets. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my new best friend. Buckle up, people. Where is this going? Thank you.
2: That was the greatest intro ever. Thank you. you really built me up there though now i'm like oh boy we gonna really go downhill from here i'm just gonna be a disappointment at this point
1: that's what everybody says after they read our bios out loud and
0: we show up they're like what exactly. i know right now that's Same so handle. awesome okay so so <laughs> i'm like let's begin at the beginning but the use it sounds to me that you may have had a few beginnings or restarts or or you know switching gears throughout your career here. So let's let's try to take it way back. You are, or not way back. Let's start where you are right now. You are currently um, with a publishing company, a writing company. Clarify yeah. that for me. I forget. So
2: I own two companies. I own a book publishing company and I own a writing and marketing company. So you know a company that writes SEO content and, and content that people use for the marketing services. And then I also we can like run their their social media, their ads, all that fun stuff.
0: Mm-hmm Okay. All right. So it is two. So I wasn't confused. So, and, and I know that when Mary Fran looked at your bio and all the stuff, all her little, all her little short hairs were standing up on her head because she's the wordy girl and loves all of the writing. Are you like Mary Fran that always loved writing and words? Was that kind of your thing?
2: Yeah. I trace it back to when I was a little kid, I could not go to sleep unless my father read to me and I'm an only child and I've always been very spoiled. So he would read to me (laughs) until I fall asleep. And I have always hated going to sleep even today last night I'm like talking to my dog I'm like I know it's 1am but I'm having too much fun watching my music videos I don't want to go sleep like I've never been the type of person I wants to go to sleep so my father would just read to me literally for hours until I fell asleep and I memorized the books and I started changing up the books um you know like to, to kind of trick me like you know oh you think that this is the three little bears but no it's actually you know. So um, I realized, oh, oh, he's writing. Like that was my first introduction to writing. And um, when he started doing that, that got me into wanting to make up stories and write stories. So I trace it all the way back to like toddler years.
0: Wow. You know, that's interesting because my dad is a phenomenal storyteller and he would always at night, he would, you know, we didn't really have much growing up, but man, he would make up these stories and he had a series. And we would all, me and my four brothers could not wait to hear the next piece of the series. And to this day, like I always say, I I dream of being at least a fraction of the storyteller that my dad was. But how interesting that you had a very similar influence.
2: Yeah. 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 And my father, I mean, he's a math person. He owns floor covering stores with my mother. He's not like a writer or anything. It was just, I don't know, something that a bond that we always had. Oh, it's cool. You know, this is this brings up immediately a a point that
1: I just love. We talk all the time about your brilliance having its roots in your childhood. And and this is a very clear example of that. You know, if you look back, people go, I'm not brilliant. I don't know. There's always something. There is always something, and it very often goes back to something that you really, really loved as a child that just gave you a sense of joy. And whether you use it professionally or not, that's the beginning of your brilliance. And you brought that to fruition in your, in your life. Yeah. That's a really
0: good point. So, so you knew that you wanted to work with words and you love the storytelling and all that. So then of course that lands you to MTV.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know, it's just like, you know, in my marketing company, we do 360. and A lot of people don't get oh well how ads go with that seal but the MCV and the world record actually go very well with everything that I do. So my first book that I wrote and published was in high school. And it was called a career in contests. It was all about entering contests and winning them because that was my hobby in middle school and high school, just entering sweepstakes. Like, you know, that was like my little part time job. I would enter every sweepstakes. I won so many ridiculous things from a big snowboard and I've never snowboarded in my life. I wound up winning like 12 iPads. So I wrote a book about it. And that was my first book. I self-published it. But like getting on MTV, that was a singing competition show. So it was like their version of American Idol. Uh, And as a kid growing up with American Idol, I always dreamed of being on a show like that. So um, I got to be on there. They did the whole, you're going to Hollywood. And I got to go out and and sing on. uh, It was hosted by um, the guy who plays Aaron Samuels in Mean Girls, which was probably the best part for me because that's like my favorite movie.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: You just went crazy like. (laughs) Like the, the cool version of Nerd Alert, like, wow, all over the place, all this really cool stuff. Like I'm listening to you think, saying that your hobby was entering contests and I'm thinking she's a real nerd. And then you're like, yes. And then I was on MTV and saying, I'm like, oh my God, she's so cool. Like
2: talk about having every piece of your personality covered. Wow. That's a great point. You know, what's funny. I never, like the contests and sweepstakes, I know now that they are, but wh- back in the day, like. I did I was always like a, a good kid, always tried not to get in trouble and stuff, but I did one thing and my punishment was from my parents that I was not allowed to enter contests for a month. Oh. <laughs> so, and that was torture for me. That was the worst. So then I had prizes coming in, in the mail. And the question was, do they let me open my prizes or do I have to wait until the month is up? My parents are talking, so They say, let me open my prizes. <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah. now I want to interview your parents because I, w- I have got to hear what it was like with you growing up. This is this is so entertaining and just what I needed today. Okay, so you do this thing about entering. How did you come into knowing that you love to enter contests? Where did that come in?
2: My parents, again, they, they entered me in my first pageant, but not like the Toddlers and terror pageants. It was an Easter pageant, like a bonnet, Easter bonnet kind of competition when I was literally one year old. And then they enrolled me in dancing school that same year. So I'm a year old in tumbling class. And they started me competitive dancing when I was three. So I grew up just with all these competitions. When we went on vacations, we went to the Poconos and competed in their bocce ball tournaments, their ping pong tournaments, just like every kind of game that we could find. And we, arcades, even today, I mean, like gaming, that's just what we do together. So I grew up in a very competitive household. It's just, it's our, our love language. It's It's what we find fun. So that was why, you know, finding any kind of game that you could win a prize at, I was like, I'm in.
1: So wow. I'm feeling that you have taken this kind of competition game winning thing. And this really translates super well into what your business is now, because this is about helping people win, you know, you do marketing. And, and that is clearly a, like, how can I get people to win this marketing game?
2: That's totally true. That is such a great point. And it, it is because there are so many different variables that go in, like, for example, an ad, I mean, just so many different things that you could do to help them. The whole point of that game is how little can we spend to get them the most money? Like we just had a client, she sells um, natural supplements and we wound up selling a hundred of her product in one week and only like, she only paid like $400 to sell a hundred products. Like that is a ginormous win. So yes, it, you're right. It's, it's like contests every single day.
0: Oh, wait, now I know we're going to be best friends forever because you just said ginormous and that
2: <laughs> she ginormous is a top three of-
0: word that I use all the time. It's a real word
2: It was added (laughs) to the dictionary like five years ago. It is a real word. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we kind of get how
1: you had your, how you had your, you know, found your roots and all of this kind of stuff. But when did you figure that this could be a a career for you? Like, like, did, did this feel like, did this start in college? Like when we talk about this reset, rise and reveal your brilliance that the, many people find that they can reset after something because they have resilience within them, and you know they might need to figure out and discover and all. But the hard part for them, most often, is figuring out this brilliance piece and how it fits into life as an adult. It's one thing to say it had its roots in your childhood, but then making that leap into okay, it made me happy then. How can I figure it into my life now? How did you figure it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it all happened like in such a beautiful way. So it went from me being in high school and I wrote the book about contests, I self-published it. So I learned about the self-publishing process and I also learned, shoot, I didn't sell very many books. I sold maybe to my teachers because I didn't market this thing. I didn't know what marketing was, I was a high school student. So that was my first kind of knowledge about, okay, I didn't sell many books because I didn't promote it. Um, But I also, at that point, uh, my mother read in one of her women's magazines uh, about freelancing and she showed it to me and I said, wait a minute, I could avoid getting a job at the mall, like my friends who were doing that and miserable. I'm like, I could avoid that just by like playing around my computer and writing stuff for people and editing stuff. Let's, let's do this. So I signed up for a freelance site. My first book that I edited was a children's horror book um, where she she hired me. She didn't know that I was 16 at the time. I just had my thing out there like, oh, I published this book. I'm a published author. I've, I've written for a few magazines and she hired me and it went so well. And again, like she recommended me to a bunch of friends without knowing I was 16, recommended me to friends. And before I knew it, I had like an editing and writing business. And because it's a freelance site, um, that's followed me. So I still have that freelance account and I still get business from it just because it's been there for like 10 years. So um, I went from that to then clients saying, hey, you can edit and write. Can you maybe do some social media for me? Can you optimize that article that you wrote so I can put on my website? And it just kept growing and growing into a business. And I'm, I'm you know, going through college and, and my master's at that point, And everybody's telling me, oh, you're going to need to get a nine to five job. And I actually even went for a few interviews because I thought, even though I have this successful online uh, at that point, it was freelance writing, turning into a little bit of marketing business and the book publishing company as well. Um, I'm like, I'm probably going to need to get a nine to five because this won't be able to sustain itself. And then once I realized, wait a minute, actually, it can. I've, I've supported myself through these degrees so far. I can make this into a business. That's when I went. Just all in, hired a team. I now have 48 people who uh, do work for me on the marketing end. You know, I can write, but, um, you know, graphics are not my specialty. So I hired uh, four graphic people who create graphics for our ads and all that. And just have kind of built it up, um, mainly while I was a student. I, I only graduated, I got my doctorate in May. So um, it was mostly well in school, which was a lot. Um, but luckily, I had that team then to to back me up wow i'm i'm blown away
1: by the first of all by everything about you because i went the much more traditional marsha brady route so that none of none of that spontaneity thing applied in my house we just we just did not do that but the thing that i keep hearing and the thing that we we kind of tell people over and over and over again when we talk about this reset and rise thing is don't be married to outcomes so you you kind of embody that by by not being married to what the traditional outcome probably was for a kid of your age. first of all, I mean who writes a book and publishes it when they're sixteen and then starts an editing business. So you weren't you weren't a a, a prisoner of those conventional ideas of what you were supposed to be at that age. Yeah. Well, thank you. that's
2: it's true. I appreciate it. It is true. It was you know, I went also. Uh, My high school, I went to, here's where things get even more, where you said before, Kristen, about how I kind of bounced around from, um, I guess, careers. My biggest bounce was I went to the Academy for Biomedical Sciences. So I went to a school, there were 32 people in my graduating class, and we were all poised to become medical doctors. Um, But once I got really into the... This is the girl who made the longest bracelet chain, right? I'm just trying to get all this in
1: my head. Like, how does one person are you, you must have multiple personalities.
2: This is amazing. Yeah. The only, like, so I graduated from the school, but once I published that book, that was when I decided, you know, that's much more my passion than this biomedical science stuff. Um, But it was, you know, so I do have this like background in biomedical sciences. I, I spent four years of my life devoted to that. So there's always that in the back of my head, but um, you know, it helps when somebody has like an ache or pain, I feel like, Hey, let me let my father had a pain in his ear. I'm like, I'm taking up a little ear inspector. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I literally just did that. I think you have a punctured eardrum, to ahead. You might want to get that checked. This is fantastic. You know what I love? I
0: love that you have followed your, um, we were just interviewing somebody about intuition And you have followed your intuition about your brilliance and where you feel like you should be, you know, in, in the flow, in the zone, and you've allowed it to just evolve. And, and like Mary Fran said, not be married to where it it could or should or would go. But I also want to make sure that our listeners and our viewers, I want everybody to rewind. If we still say rewind, I don't know. I'm an eighties kid and we did rewind. If you go back and and listen um, to Marissa saying about you didn't you didn't know what what you were the, what other people thought you were supposed to do you thought maybe I should go get the ninety five because that's what people do but maybe yeah, there's something else here and I do want to follow this like there was that moment of gosh everybody does the nine to five but hmm let me try this a different way. I think that's important. It wasn't like some big lightning bolt knocked you over and said, no, this is your path. And I think we do tend to get stuck in, like I know for me, when I got divorced, I was like, no, this was supposed to be, you know, get married, do all these things, have the big 50th anniversary, retire together. You know, and Mary Fran always says, when when she found out her son was a heroin addict, they didn't look like the family that would have a heroin addict. And we get, both of us got so stuck there we couldn't move forward as opposed to, I love that you say that you acknowledge that you thought about it for a little while and then realized it wasn't for you. And then you reset a lot quicker than being Mary married Yeah, which we would have Decades. met about five years ago. <laughs> Decades quicker. <laughs> so is that something that's part of your personality? Is it part of your family being into this? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose that you're a little more of a risk taker. Is How is that? or Why i would ask you? this question too is it generational i mean do you think that
1: it's that's it's also could be a product of of the times we live in and you know where your generation is as opposed to mine
0: interesting
2: those are great questions i have so many thoughts i hope i remember them all the, the first is you know i grew up in my parents mom and pop carpet shop they now have several flooring stores but like so i knew that the entrepreneur way was a thing but because mm. of the way that my high school, where okay, everybody here is going to become doctors. And I'll tell you, out of that class of thirty-two, I think five of them are medical doctors, um, and may, most of them are in technology now. So, just you know, when you when you push it down somebody's throat so much, I think this generation does definitely. Um, you know, we can explore other options. So almost everybody's in technology now from that school, but um, in in college and and grad school, even. I mean, my gosh, I, I went on job interviews just because my advisor said that's what I needed to do. I showed them my websites. I showed them my portfolios. I showed them all my great client reviews. And they still said, yeah, that's nice while you're a student, but you need something more sustainable and reliable. And I've also hired great freelancers for my own company. And I've had this talk with them where they're like, we uh, they, we love it here, but we want to go get nine to five. And I'm like, why? And mm-hmm. it, you know, I get well, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, what does a nine to five offer you that I don't, you know, like I, I'm giving you everything. They're like, yeah, but I want to be in an office. And I, I actually, now with COVID, I think people are definitely coming around more. That's a conversation I had more, say a year and a half ago, but I yeah. had that conversation so many times. So um, I do think a lot of people are brainwashed, but I do think that this generation now, um, my age and, and younger, um, I think are more prone because they grew up with the internet um, so they're they're more prone to to doing that kind of thing. Also, there are opportunities that weren't like my father started um his floor covering store when he was in uh college. He didn't have the internet. He had, you know, a, a small booth at like a, a little mall. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if he had the internet, he, it probably would have been different. So it's his generation telling my generation, hey, you know, this freelance thing is a sustainable because they didn't have it when they were that age. So I think it's once uh, I think COVID is going to help, and I think that once we're we're moving through where that generation is seeing, oh wait, you can have an online business. That's real. It's it's just going to keep where where maybe advisors won't tell their students anymore, like, hey, you need a real job. Yeah, that's refreshing.
1: Who knows what the, <laughs> it's I mean everything's being redefined, is basically what it comes down to. But you have to be open to that redefinition because, as you just said, you have your own people who I'm assuming they're freelancers, they're younger people. They have to be open to the fact that things can evolve. And it's so interesting because we live in a c- culture that values that, and yet we squash it. It doesn't, like, it's a completely different, the, the mindsets are com- in complete opposition, so there has to be some
2: way to make that meet. Yeah, I think it's because it's almost like the music industry or acting or anything else where they know how many people have failed. Like I have friends who wanted to be an artist more than anything, but people squashed it. They said, oh, so few people make it in the industry. Don't go for it. I think it's just people that are worried because there's such a high failure rate. But, you know, I think with entrepreneurship, as long as you have a good plan and you work hard, you know, um, at least in my experience, that's, that's how it's been just work hard and and don't be afraid to think differently and just go for
0: it. I love that. Don't be afraid to think differently. You know, when I started a nonprofit, well, it's 10 years ago, it's the 10th year anniversary. (laughs) Now I'm, I'm, you know, smarter than the average bear. I'm not going to lie. You know, I got a couple of brain cells, right. But I get into a vision research nonprofit. I have no business being in anything science but my two boys are are blind, so I started this patient organization. That has a huge research component, and one of the you know ginormous organizations that has the monopoly on the entire vision research field, right? That is the old model of nonprofits. Said, "Oh my God, this little mom isn't going to make a dent." And I'm like, "Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe I won't, but I'm, and I'm not going to do it the traditional way. I started studying entrepreneurship. To your point of thinking differently." That's what I learned. If you just think about it differently, go differently. I had to go really far, really fast. And I'm like, well, I'm a Philly girl. I can talk fast. I can do all kinds of crazy things. So maybe this will work. And then lo and behold, he and I were invited to the same um, FDA meeting. Like we're now the same global impact. Right. And I'm like, hmm, not so bad for a little mom. But but that's the piece that I, you just gave me the words that I haven't been able to say for all of these years is that you have to be willing to think differently. Yeah. You have to, like, I always say, you have to look at your problem differently. Like when I looked at blindness as a problem, that's what I was getting was a problem. And instead of looking at it as an opportunity to do things a little differently, but then the next step of thinking about it and going about it in a different way. But now did you get, do you get, um, have you gotten pushback from, from people along the way? Like, I know your advisors were like, you got to go get a real job. Mm -hmm. Um, And have your parents always kind of supported it or are they ever like, Whoa, I don't know.
2: My father is the most supportive. He is my, my rock, if I ever have a question or anything. I always go to him. He has been a person couldn't be more supportive if anything. He doesn't push, but he reassures me if there's ever anything. And he, he gave me amazing advice when I first started, where um, he said, "There's going to be a problem every single day." just be ready for it and it just comes with the territory. And he knows from from being a, a business person for so long. And my mother is also incredible and incredibly supportive, but she is more, uh, she's not as much of a risk taker. So she's often the voice of reason, she's always supportive, but she's also that person who, you know, just uh, will, will err on the side of caution. Like um, I, she had, she encouraged me very strongly to take my LSATs uh, when I was, you know, in all this, uh, what was it? right after I graduated college she she heavily encouraged me to take my LSATs just in case so yeah. I did that um so that's her personality so that that's been great um as far as my parents friends though <sighs> as far as they're concerned I'm an unemployed bum like they do not <laughs> they don't get it at all um yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: unemployed bum
2: Pretty much. I mean, like the mother throws in, "Oh, my daughter's a doctor," and then they go, "Oh, you know, what hospital?" And she's like, "No, uh, uh, literature." They're like, "Oh, okay, or I, that kind of doctor, a word doctor, <laughs> a word
1: doctor." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of the things that you talked about um, that 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 you sent us when you sent us your info was the importance of a tribe to you, mm-hmm. and everything that you just said. was, it was, they were people who were, were not what we think of as our traditional tribe, but also very important in, in that infrastructure, in that tribe infrastructure. I mean, obviously you have to have the parents, the people who support you, you have to have the, the, the person who, who feeds your dreams. That's your dad. You have to have the person that goes, all right, but let's, let's have a little bit of a reality check just in case that's your mom. But the people that go, well, you're an unemployed bum, they're also part of the tribe. And, and they can be part of the tribe that that kind of feeds you to go further. Kind of like, I mean, I always say anger is a very, and frustration, they're very undervalued emotions because they can be used to go, oh yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you what a bum
2: I am. <laughs> well, I, I can 100% agree with that. My mother's friends, when I was, I think, 21 or 22, my mother was telling her, you know, oh, my daughter just graduated from college. She's going for a master's, and she said, "Oh, that that's nice." She still lives with you. Oh well, okay. Well, I guess you'll be proud when she when she moves out. And uh, I moved out like right after that because you know that that was that's a, a that was a strong calling to me. Uh, like, yeah, let's let's. So I, I purchased a, a home, and yeah. So they definitely the the negative the negativity definitely does inspire you to achieve more.
1: Yeah, it can light a fire, it really can light a fire. So, I I mean, I think that we, you know, the negativity is going to be there. The important thing is how are you going to use it? Because it can be used, you know, and you can can use it as fuel and you clearly did that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, now wait a minute. (laughs) I'm trying to stay focused and hear and retain, but I cannot wait any longer. Please tell me about this (laughs) longest chain of
2: bracelets. (laughs) yeah um so i did it
1: um now there's a musical interlude leading into that
2: i don't know what they're doing um when i was in high school um actually actually, i'll I'll go back it's always been a dream to break a world record even as a kid i I made like this was a contest thing for you kind of totally oh yeah. Ah, yeah oh yeah yeah um so I wrote my book, my first book, the self-published one was a career in contest. It was all about winning contests. So to promote that book, I thought, what's the ultimate way to promote it? That would be winning the ultimate contest, which to me was a Guinness world record. So, um, that was, that, that's why I said when I wrote that book and published that first book, I didn't know the first thing about marketing, but I had that little instinct, like, Hmm, how are we going to promote this? So I did that through the world record. Wow. So you just decided to make a bunch of bracelets. Oh, well, okay. So the bracelets actually, um, when I was 11, I had Lyme disease and it caused like arthritis. So as part of my... Um, physical therapy, I would bead bracelets and I get like obsessed with things. So I beaded <laughs> thousands of bracelets. I never thousands. would have guessed that about you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had like thousands of bracelets beaded from ages 12 to 16. And when I was looking for a, a world record to break, I saw a longest chain of beads and I was like, oh, I can do that. But then I realized, holy cow, this bead chain is way too long. And then I found longest chain bracelets. bracelets. I'm like, perfect. I already have thousands of them. All I have to do is chain them. And I did. It took me three days to just chain all the bracelets I made together. Um, I had to fill out a ton of paperwork, send it to a a world record headquarters, film myself, get um, my principal and my uh, local town newspaper editor to actually come to my house and look at it and be witnesses. And yeah, then then that was official.
0: Oh my God. That is just the great, you know, what's so great about that story. Like it's just phenomenal. But the fact that it started as therapy for your Lyme disease, so yeah. it's rooted in something really special. And then I love, you see, we could be very dangerous together.
2: <laughs> because
0: you take one little thing <laughs> and make it into a ginormous thing. And I love that.
1: <laughs> but you know what, the, the thing that strikes me is that that everything that you do, first of all, everything that you do and that you talk about, there is a there is a joy about you. There's a spirit yep. about you. That that is is something that I think people don't recognize can be cultivated. And and maybe it has its basis in, and this is kind
2: of what I'm feeling, does it have its basis in curiosity? That's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely a lifelong learner. During my free time, I, I just really like to read and, and I go on my Oculus and that's been a really neat Wait, thing you're with what? Like, you're my right Oculus? Virtual reality? <laughs> Look,
0: Mary Fran, you learned a new word today from a whole nother generation.
2: it's <laughs> no clue. It's really neat. So it's like during COVID, you know, it, I went to Italy last week, where you just go and you're like walking around Milan, like it's really neat. So you can do all these different things, and I the best one is space. You can be in the spaceship and just looking around under the ocean. I watched Cirque du Soleil five different Cirque du Soleil performances <laughs> with the virtual reality on my head. It's been great. I may
0: have to wrap us up because I think we've lost Mary Fran. <laughs> She's I'm out. You two just continue this conversation. Mary Fran's going to go watch her black and white TV and, and the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> she doesn't understand what's happening in
2: the
0: world. <laughs> Mary Fran just got a new iPhone welcome Ooh. welcome to that and now she'll get oculus and we will never see her
2: again she'll be i amazing. got my father into oculus i got him one for christmas two years ago he is so obsessed my mother like constantly is getting up- not, not upset but like why do you have to give him that stupid thing he hasn't talked to me anymore he's always on that thing <laughs> <laughs> he just plays poker with his buddies all day you know?
0: <laughs> oh my god this has been so much fun this is so great oh my gosh all right so <laughs> so
1: it is based in some level of curiosity and now you're Absolutely. that's something that can be cultivated though so that's something that we need to share with people that this 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 interest can be cultivated it doesn't have to start in a circuit certain place with watching Cirque du Soleil on an oculus or whatever the word was <laughs> you got it <laughs> Look how hip you are. For our people out there, for our tribe out there, you can cultivate this curiosity. You can cultivate this this joy. And consequently, that can lead to that discovering your brilliance and figuring out how you can use that in the world. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so tell us now because (laughs) we got to know where we can find more about you. Tell us all where we can find more about you because this has just been the most fun conversation. And... And and about your business and about your work, we wanna know about that too. So where can we find out more about that?
2: I'm on social media everywhere under my name, Marissa with an O Schwartz, um, also with the name Dr. Rissy. Um, and then I have my website, drrissyswriting.com. But really, I mean, if you type in Marissa Schwartz on any social media platform, I'm there and you can just reach out to me about whatever specifically you're interested in.
0: Awesome. This has been super fun. And I want to make sure that that folks um, hear this one point in two different ways that I think it's crystal clear that everything we talk about with parents taking their hopes and dreams off of their kids and allowing them to channel their own brilliance is quite evident in the fact that your parents let that happen, even with all the other people chiming in that this wasn't a good path. And look where you are now. But also, for those that are listening that are of Mary French generation which is way further down really the old. line <laughs> no for all of us that you really listen to your own inner inner thoughts and inner brilliance and let it let it happen without everyone else's image and outcome that they want for you let your own let your own journey happen the way you want it to happen. So go back and listen to this episode when you're feeling like you have to follow roles that are traditional, when you're feeling pulled in a different direction and let Dr. Rissy inspire you to go. What's that
1: through line that we have? Let go of what things should be and you can see what they could be. And you really embodied that for us. So thank you for sharing that spirit yeah. and and personifying that through line that we have because you really did that for us today. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. You can get all of our resources that are available to you on our brand spanking new website that we put together and launched on our one-year anniversary. How about them apples? Go check it out at brilliantlyresilient.net, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.